Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast that has had a all-pro long snapper on twice. We are back for another week here on the show, Exit 52 presented by Jimmy Seafood, here with RDT and Banks. And guys, as we said, a long conversation with now departed Ravens long snapper Morgan Cox coming later in the show. Morgan, great with his time as he was when we had him on earlier in the year and, and really appreciate him coming on. But we'll start really with a an admittedly slow, slow, slow news week here in Baltimore sports. When we were talking about, you know, you know, every before every show, obviously we talk about what we're gonna you know, what we're gonna discuss. There's really not a ton to touch on here um, that's new and different with either of the Baltimore teams, really any of the teams uh, in the area. I guess we can kind of progress on this Orlando Brown conversation a bit. You know, I think we, we, we sort of break, broke down all the possibilities extrapolating off his initial tweet. Now there are more firm reports um, that he wants to be traded. He came out with a statement and, and talked about his respect for the organization and Eric DaCosta. That was nice to see. Looks like there's no no ill will there. Uh, but it seems like the Ravens are going to have to ship him out here at some point. And, and Ian Rappaport uh, said that they would like a major haul. So I think go back and listen to our conversation last week if you want a full breakdown, I think, of the implications. We don't need to rehash that entire thing. Uh, but it feels like we're just kind of coming to a natural conclusion to his time in Baltimore Banks. Yeah, we're not really in a spot where we're technically I don't even think trades can go through. So we're kind of yeah. just in limbo for the time being. And it feels like, just like you said, slow week. We're trying to figure out what we're going to talk about. It feels like the reporters are doing the same thing because they're kind of putting it out there, acting like there's some breaking news here as if something's developing or they're taking credit for it as if, you know, these people breaking news that Orlando Brown has asked for a trade when really, you know, two Fridays ago when I'm sitting at happy hour at Jimmy's, you know, he kind of put the 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 signs out there that he he's wants to play left tackle, and then he put out the tweets maybe a week later, and so like yeah, he wants to get traded, and he's seeked permission and he's gotten permission to go seek trades. Who wants to dance? I don't know. We'll see. But um, there's a lot of teams of moving parts. There's you know, Schefter uh, alluded to. Uh, uh, a harder cap number that he suspects it might be 180 to 181 million. Um, but you know, people are, are waiting and trying to figure out what they can do, what they can spend money on, what kind of trades, um, you know, all those types of things. And so we're just going to sit here and, and talk ourselves in circles about the Orlando Brown thing um, for, for a while until we can really make something happen here. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe they find a partner here, like, much in the way that this, you know, staffer golf deal came together, which is, I don't think it's official or anything, but it's agreed to in principle, you know, sure. Maybe, maybe Eric DeCosta's on the phone, but it sounds, sounds a lot like it's in Orlando Brown's court and the Ravens are just kind of being hands off about it. And they're saying like, Hey, like, this is what you want, you know, go figure out where you want to be. And we'll see if there's something amenable for both sides that we can work something out. But, um, otherwise, this story really doesn't move too much. Yeah, and I think it's hard to, to speculate on what the Ravens do as a replacement until we see what they get back in terms of draft pick compensation or players um, from, from wherever they send him. It does feel like, I think when we talked about this last week, we said, hey, maybe he plays out this season and then the Ravens uh, look to deal him. It does feel like with the you know the past of the week that they're going to have to trade him. It just – it, it it feels like if this gets to training camp, it's going to be a distraction. 
um, and that he is pretty that Orlando Brown is pretty adamant about about going elsewhere. So it does feel like now the Ravens have to trade him, but uh, they are going to look for for a pretty big haul for him. We sort of gave that context last week with the Laramie Tunsil trade and all those different things. But but as you said, Banks, it's it's you know February tenth as we sit here and record. It's it's a little tough to to go. Okay, here's what this looks like. Here are the trade partners because there's a I mean there's obviously this this entire quarterback roulette that's going on right now. There's a lot of dominoes that still need to fall um, in terms of, you know, who would even go after him to protect a guy that they've traded for maybe. You know, you know if, he, if Carson Wentz gets traded to the Colts, do they then, you know, go all in and, and trade for, you know, a, a tackle? You know, Russell Wilson has just stuck the pressure down on Seattle. Do they look to go out and try to improve, improve the offensive line? Um so it, it's just it's a it's a tough one to look through. I mean, when the golf when the golf Ram or when the Rams Lions trade happened, that came out of nowhere. I mean, that came yeah. out of absolutely nowhere. Saturday so night. This, yeah. this could also be one that, as you said, you know, Eric Dacosta is behind the scenes doing his moving and shaking thing and, and getting a trade partner. But um, could be a short story and, and get revol- uh, resolved quickly. Could stretch for a while. Yeah. By the way, I don't know if we got this far down the line with the conversation last week, but I just feel that it's in everyone's best interest for him to just play at right tackle this year and get paid next year as the guy who could play left tackle and right tackle who will play left tackle for that given team. So um, I think that the free agent landscape in terms of salary cap and the TV deals and all that good stuff will be a better situation for him a year from now. So you know, he might not see it that way, um, but here we go, starting to talk ourselves in circles. It's really that's my fault. My fault. I was starting to talk in circles again. No, I mean it's 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 what you do on a what you do on a, a slow week, but it's just it's a tough one to speculate on. But also, will be tough for the Ravens to replace him as we, as we talked about last week. I mean, he he is a he's a fantastic player and, and a guy that that gave the Ravens good years. If this is in fact it for him, there's not a ton else on the Ravens front. As we said, we you. There's, there's not a ton that can happen right now in terms of the offseason. Super Bowl obviously over. Uh, shout out to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, that, that was the pick. Huge, huge Antonio Brown guy. Uh, well, Former huge Antonio. You you cheer, You definitely stood up when he scored that touchdown. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if we've talked about this much. I, I, I was a firm believer in Antonio Brown's talent early in his time with the Steelers. You know, obviously Ravens rival, blah, blah, blah. I've gotten in this entire debate. Um, with my friends about Antonio Brown versus Julio Jones. This has raged for four or five years now or whatever, however long it's been. I thought Antonio was clearly better, and then he acted like a jerk. In you know, That's probably saying it very mildly. He did a lot of bad <laughs> things. Uh, but he now has a Super Bowl on his resume. So Julio doesn't. Julio blew a Super Bowl against <laughs> Tom Brady. And that was running. Julio blew it, all right. Yeah, <laughs> Julio with that catch on the yeah, sideline. Julio's fault. Make a couple more one-handed catches, Julio. Maybe you'd have a ring. Maybe you'd have a ring. But you're in the trout category, loser. <laughs> but no, he's not. He's not. But um, that, that I say that with 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 all uh, respect to Julio Jones, he's a fantastic player. But I did. And no respect to Mike Trout. And no respect to Mike Trout. But I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did have a. a, a it's just hard to have any validation. Antonio Brown is just such a such a lunatic. It's it's just you know not my finest judge of character. Be just an amazing player. Maybe this is what I get for supporting a guy on the Steelers. Maybe then you know roast me, listeners. Tell me, tell me, tell me that I that I've done wrong. Tell me that I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, Buccaneers win. But yeah, now now we're gonna kind of get into the off season. You know, now we've got the odds for the Super Bowl next year or the pro, the Pro Football Championship. Excuse me. 
um, and and we'll kind of go forward. You know, the 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 Ravens. There's just not much to, to talk about on their front. Orioles also not a ton as they head towards spring training. Uh, RDT, can you give me 20 minutes on uh, the the re-signing of the stadium lease? I know you've got a full breakdown of how all that works. So, a floor is yours. I think it's basically just them kind of kicking the can down the road. <laughs> I know people were freaking out because they were like, it's only a two-year extension. What does that mean? And it's like, well, we're, we're going through a pandemic still. <laughs> like, who knows what, how long this is still going to last. Um, we've been saying that for almost a year. And it's like, yeah, you know, Angelos isn't in the best health. He hasn't been for the last couple of years. So it's like, yeah, it's probably kind of just a uh, – who was it? Someone on, someone on the um, on the radio was saying it's almost like they, they got engaged. Like the, the big ring is coming. They're going to get the deal done. I think they can still exercise that five-year extension, um, I think, before February 1st, 2023 or something like that. I I mean, obviously, it's good news. I They're 100% going to get something done. It's It was almost like a non-story just because they're, they're not leaving Camden Yards. They're not leaving Baltimore, like. I understand a, an older generation would probably have a little more PTSD, but I mean, I don't think there's anything to worry about. I think you kind of get that angst every couple years when there is the talk about, you know, which franchises could leave cities. I think that the Orioles are probably in the top half of that discussion in some fashion, form or fashion. But, you know, when you have teams like the Tampa Bay Rays, it's, it's tough to justify really moving any other team that, that mm-hmm. participates in professional baseball at the highest level. So yeah, there's a stadium yeah. lease. That's, Real, that's what it is. Realistically. I, I imagine that the Orioles are in kind of some tough financial situations here where they're not in a position to, to really lock themselves into dollar figures long-term because they don't, they don't know what their financial picture is. And there's talk about the Angelos family potentially cashing out for couple different reasons i mean peter's health has been i don't know downtrodden at you know he's been out of the public eye for it seems like five six years and um they I, I think there's supposed to be tax benefits to some degree if they were to sell now versus sell i don't know a couple of years from now so um it may be a situation where they don't want to to lock the franchise into a lease that somebody else will have to answer to down the road because if you, you know, once you get into negotiations about selling a baseball team, you know, the more framework and, and structure and leases in place are, are for that team. It's, you know, it's kind of a, something that the new owner would be stuck with. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it's something that's just some, you know, two year deal to tie them over. Who's to say, I don't know, but that's about as much I think as you can talk about a two year, Stadium lease. <laughs> the more interesting thing about the Orioles' financial and stadium situation is I, I, at some point I think they're going to have to sell the naming rights. I, there's just too much money on the table for them to not do that. I know that scares people because it really is an awesome name. You know, Oriole Park at Camden Yards. But the Nationals are so poor. They can't compete. What about their mm-hmm. park? <laughs> they, I mean, they, I can't believe they haven't sold the naming rights. It, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. A, it's just such a cash cow to have there. And maybe there's something with the Maryland Stadium Authority, but. You know the Ravens are signing, you know, seventy-five million-dollar contracts with M&T Bank. So I, you know, it just feels like money being left on the table. I, I, I'm interested to see if that develops in any way. Is it, you know, Oriole Park? It, it could just end up being, you know, for lack of a Capital One Park, at, Old Bay at Park. Yards. I'm just going off. You know, we gotta. 
unique stadium named after Capital One down at College Park. So that was the first <laughs> company that came. To, maybe Xfinity Park. People will love that. The X no. Park. Bring it back. That, that sounds weird. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the, with that. But I, I think you're right, Banks. I think it's it's one of those things where you sign a short term deal and it allows you to have some more flexibility how you go forward. Um, at, you know, at some point we're going to get baseball here for spring training. I, they haven't really announced what they're going to do for spring training still. But Trey Mancini's down there, your guy RDT. So clearly there there's going to be some movement down to Florida, but there there doesn't seem to be total details on what that's that entire thing's going to look like. So we'll kind of keep moving towards there. Yeah, and I had I had a buddy or a guy on Twitter who DM me like last week. It was like, yeah, I just bought tickets down to Sarasota, like just to be down there during spring training. Do you know anything about fans? And I was like, I, I haven't heard a thing. Like it's a risky, it's kind of risky it to buy tickets. Florida. It is in Florida where they have been the least stringent about that. So yes, very, very true. Um, and I mean, I, I, we, we saw the stuff with Arizona there too, a couple weeks ago, but yeah, it, it's, it's very strange because I even know that I guess, they they recently just told all the the players that they have to quarantine for five days before they go down there. Like the Orioles are going to be down there. Pitchers and catchers report next week. So they were saying there are some teams who are like they were like six days away from going down to pitchers and catchers, and they the the players had just found that out. So they're like, all right, well I have to barricade and quarantine to, starting at midnight tonight or something like that with like very little very little warning or timing and stuff like that. But it's, 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 it's strange how, I mean, we're next week, we're going to be talking about it and we still don't really know what the, what the full details all are, but it's also, it's just so baseball because we still don't really know if there's going to be a DH or not in the NL. It's like games come out pretty soon, guys. There's a lot of guys waiting on jobs. Nelson Cruz is like, He's still he's still out there waiting to hear if if a National League team can sign him or not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, what, what's been interesting about all of the you know sports that have that have restarted during the pandemic is is schedules have come out so you know near seasons, uh, which we're just not used to. We're used to kind of having the entire thing laid out for months. Um, as someone that you know is watching the Big Ten release schedules a week before sports get started, uh, it's it's a it's pretty fascinating to watch all these teams trying to, or all these leagues trying to navigate all these different things. So, uh, spring training will start at some point, and we will uh, we will have uh, people associated playing, covering, talking about the Orioles on the show as as we get closer. And we'll we'll break down uh, the start of their season and and, and as we go through. Uh, but we had a nice uh, way to put a bow on the Ravens season, and that was from our guy, friend of the show, um, Morgan Cox, who came on to talk about you know, his, his, his final days with the Ravens, reflecting back on the season, which I thought was really interesting, talking about all the things that they went through and, and, and all that stuff, where he goes from here, and, and just reflections on a, what was a fantastic uh, career in a Baltimore Ravens uniform and, and amazing to see all the love he got. So let's jump to our interview with Morgan Cox. Something magic happens. We're back on the Exit 52 podcast. Second time guest, Morgan Cox. Thanks for jumping on with us. Now coming on with us from, from Tennessee. Morgan, thanks for coming on, man. First of all, obviously um, no longer with the Ravens, but we wanted to know just your, your general thoughts on the end of the year. And then just as you look back at your career, you reflected so well with us when you were on before, but now you know, departing the team, what are your, your sort of thoughts on, on, on the career with the, with the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, obviously, with everything that happened, um, I have had kind of time to reflect on 
um, my career and everything, man, 2020, I'll look back on as being my best season. Um, and so I'm, I'm really proud of that. Um, especially with kind of the volatility that happened in the, the snapper world. Um, I can get into that if y'all want, but you know, I, you know, really just look back on my 11 years and just, you know, I've got so much that happened that, um, I'm so appreciative for, obviously I wanted it to keep going and, um, but, uh, you know, I'm so thankful that, you know, I got to, I got to play with the guys that I did and over the years, how many people, you know, were, I, I mean, I got to play with some legends of the game. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's pretty humbling to look back on. So. Yeah, you were, <clears throat> I think you, you referenced it. You said the volatility of the long snapping thing. Um, what did you mean by that? Do you mean just, just the ebbs and flows of, of the, the business or, or, or yeah, what so have you? Or? It was kind of an unprecedented year. Um, in my 11 years, I don't recall, but maybe one or two guys over the years that, um, like I said, over 11 years that um, guys got cut because of performance issues. Um, it's usually like guy got hurt or, you know, and so they brought somebody else in, but this year, um, the the Titans, the 49ers, and the Vikings all um, cut their long snapper uh, because of in-game performance. And, um, you know, it was just it's, – it's just a weird year from that standpoint. And so, uh, you know, whether it be because of COVID or pandemic or just, you know – one of those years it just was like it was kind of like our year you know like sometimes their kickers miss you know sometimes punters don't punt the ball very far and and those so they get replaced but for whatever reason it was it was kind of the the snapper's year and so man i was i was just really i was really proud to you know um play well um had uh two tackles early in the season and <laughs> that got me to a good one a year average uh in baltimore <laughs> And, uh, but overall, you know, the things that like a lot of people don't see that kind of the, the normal fan doesn't see is, is, you know, I, I felt like I blocked well, um, I was, you know, I'm, I'm at a huge disadvantage, uh, having my head between my legs and guys moving around pre-snap. And as soon as the ball snaps, I'm, I've got to figure out who I'm supposed to block. And I got on everybody, um, pretty well. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's sometimes the things that, you know, snapping is important, but then also like, you know, being an athlete and, you know, blocking and tackling well is <laughs> also important. Yeah. So um, I think you had talked about last time you were on that there was somewhat of a fraternity of long snappers. You guys had a group chat in terms of, I don't know, maybe raising uh, long snapper awareness or whatever. Um, <laughs> you guys were able to get the long snapper position into the all pro mm -hmm. uh, discussion. Yeah, and uh, I can tell I that story. We we may have been the first podcast to congratulate you on social media, um, <laughs> you on being the first ever All Pro Long Snapper. So congratulations! Um, I, I know the award was given about a month ago, uh, yeah. but are you the goat? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I think uh, that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough one to to award to anybody, um, and especially the the way our attitudes are. I don't know that anybody would accept that, but. Um, no, so the all pro came about because, um, if, if you remember, we got on the pro bowl ballot in 2019 
And around that same time, I talked to um, one of the Ravens, uh, or I guess he's like an the ESPN writer, Jameson Hensley. And I said, I said, man, do you know, because I mean, I've talked to him a few times going through the locker room and stuff. And I'm like, do you know anything about like all pro um, and how guys get like, you know, added or, you know, or left out of that? Um, and he was like, yeah, I actually know who, who does that, um, that committee or who kind of heads that committee. And I had just had his name a second ago. And of course I'm going to forget it. And the last thing you want to do is forget somebody in the media's um, name. But um, <laughs> anyway, he, um, he added it to like the committee um, on, on whether or not you, we, they wanted to add and there was precedent for it for a position being added. And um, they added us to the, to the pro bowl and, you know, there are 50 voters, I'm sorry, they added us to the all pro voting. There are 50 voters and they um, voted us in. So it was really, it was really pretty cool to, for it to formulate again that, that quickly and, and, uh, and get on there. So, and then to get it, I mean, you know, I was just like kind of blown away. I didn't, I wouldn't expect <laughs> to get it. I just wanted to, like I said before, just wanted to push the position forward and, um, you know, raise awareness for it. So. And there will never be another first All-Pro long snap. The history has been made. Thank you for your service. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so. what, what was it like to, to go – you sort of talked about it a little bit, but I think now with the ability to reflect such a crazy year for you guys, and I think everyone in the NFL going through COVID protocols, so many teams, including you guys, obviously you know had you know pauses and, and game – games moved what was that like to go through um as it was happening sort of looking around the league as it was happening and then mm -hmm. obviously when it happened to you guys um it, it must have been most of the talk as you guys went through the year yeah when we when we started out the year you know we we were going through the protocols like like they had set them out and you know just like anything else we you know we kind of get into a routine and um not necessarily get get lazy about it but it just kind of becomes routine and it's not as much um and so not, not as like stringent and stuff as, as when you first start out but then when we got hit with it um you know we, we everybody got it you know we got we got pushed out and then we took an, another look at our protocols and how we were running everything and john's really big on like doing things in person and so like he wanted to do things in person as much as possible, um, safely, obviously, but then we decided that it was easier and we were still being very productive on, um, on the virtual. And so it was funny cause like after we got hit and we started thinking back about like what we were doing, it was like, it, it wasn't that we were disobeying protocols. It was just that like from the protocols that we had after our outbreak and looking back to the ones before we were like, wow, we're like, it's like just totally different. So by the time we were at the end of the year, I felt like we were in like a different season. It was just, I mean, it, it just felt like training camp was like forever ago and like being able to even meet in person, uh, like being in a meeting room was such a foreign idea by the time the season was over. But um, I thought we, as a team, we handled it really well and they organized it well and, you know, it, I'll, you know, I'll, I can always say that I went through that season and hope, you know, hopefully, you know, it's, it's safe enough that we can go back to normal next season. I think everybody says that at least once a day, hopefully when we get back to normal. <laughs> so. 
Now, going back to kind of to the season again, you got you kind of talked about how there was almost like two halves of it. It was almost like an NBA season where it's like you have the All Star break in the middle, and it's like separates that too. Yeah. The second half of the season, it seems like you guys were wearing the purple pants for like pretty much every big game, and down the stretch, yeah. they were all big games. Was that like a mental thing that you guys knew? Like, and I don't know when the uniform combinations are set, but if it, when it was like. The Browns game, for instance, is it like got to win, bring out the purple pants? Is there yeah. like, like who makes that decision? And, and was it because it used to be the black, the all blacks for like yeah. the, the Monday night games and stuff like that? What yeah. went into like that whole thing? And was it like a mental thing for you guys? I, I would love to, to know the, the real answer to that question of like who actually makes that decision. I know from a Jersey standpoint, those are set before the season even starts. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that. Like, I even see it in our equipment room. Like, they have it marked out at the beginning of the season. But I think pants are, like, kind of a floating thing. So, it's, like, whatever you want to wear um, at the time. But um, I'll be honest, I, I didn't even know that we did the purple at the end. I just kind of – whatever they put in my locker, I put them on. Um, but there, I'm sure that they're somewhere down the line there's some superstition at play um, where oh, we won a game here and – we won a game there in, in uh, purple pants and um, stuff like that. So I, I don't know who – I think John makes the final decision because that's who was uh, – John was the one that was a big fan of the um, – oh, it was the Kansas City game. Oh, so the gold pants. In our uh, – <laughs> Oh, you mean the, the the game from like five years ago? I think maybe Jimmy yeah. Clausen started. Yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the mustard pants, the Dijon mustard pants. I I, I think the rest of Baltimore burned the tape on on that for numerous reasons. The pants being one yeah, of them. That's true. <laughs> the uh, I think you know it's like one of those things like going, you know, in his head. It probably seemed sweeter than <laughs> the execution was. So, oh man, that's tough. Um, you guys had some good back and forth with, uh, with Tennessee. Um, we noticed that on the, uh, on the interception to seal the game, there was the, the diagram that got put out the next day of all 53 guys or all 46 guys, I guess, technically, uh, their numbers and where they were, and they're all floating around. Um, as we all know, a strong handful came streaming off the sidelines right to the Titans logo. And then right over the left-hand corner, you know, hanging out in one little particular area, we see the wolf pack hanging out. So uh, what's going on there? <laughs> uh, business as usual for us. Um, <laughs> we, I think I've touched on it last time, but we, we literally try and detach emotionally um, from the game uh, just kind of helps us do our jobs better. But um I saw that. I saw that clip <laughs> and I started cracking up and I sent it to a bunch of people. I was like, yeah, that's, that's about right. We got the ball. So it's time for us to go warm up. And that's what we do. Is so, the, is the kicking net over there? Is that, is that kind of like the, the big green cable box yeah, that's, in yeah, the neighborhood where everybody hangs out? Exactly. We've yeah, got yeah. our routine. I snap a couple to Sam and then he punts one in the net and Tucker hits one and you know, it's, it's a whole thing, but yeah, we, it, <laughs> People come over and kick it a little bit. You guys are, I mean, you guys like the Jay and Silent Bob outside the gas station. Yeah, pretty exactly. Much. <laughs> you know, everybody, and I saw the, um, I saw the the video of it. It was, it was sweet. I would have never run out onto the field <laughs> on the logo or anything like that. But um, 
I uh, I was cracking up because the, I can just picture what we did. I mean, especially it being cold, like we just took our jackets off and placed them, you know, real nice and neat on the bench and then walked over and got ready to do our jobs. So I've got a weird thing about logos too. Like I don't step on logos before the game. Um, it's like a little stitious kind of thing. Where did that start? Um, <laughs> I started in in college. I was pledging uh, fraternity, Phi Gam or Fiji um, at uh, Tennessee, and one of the rules for the uh, for the pledges is you couldn't you couldn't step on the logo, you couldn't step on the star, <laughs> and like just something stupid. Like I just kind of started like in my head, just started like not stepping on logos, no matter if it was mine or somebody else's. I just it was like a disrespect thing, so I stopped stepping on logos, and even before the games. I'll literally like if someone's on directly on the other side of a logo and I'm supposed to walk and go shake his hand, I'll walk around the logo. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? Especially uh, Clark Harris, the snapper for the uh, Bengals. He knows, he knows of, of the uh, no logo walking. And so he'll stand in the middle of the logo sometimes <laughs> and wait for you to like walk to him. I'm like, I'm not coming over there. So. <laughs> So this is a well-known thing, pretty much. I don't know about well-known things because once I told him and he started messing with me, I was like, I better not <laughs> tell anybody else. So, secret might be out now. Um, yeah, exactly. Is uh, the Tennessee game? You can answer this or not. Um, did Did Lamar say on the Zoom the night before to the whole team, pretty much? Uh, I'm trying to put fifty on the ass, coach, or something to that extent. If you had asked me like an hour after that meeting, I probably wouldn't have been able to answer you either. Um, but honestly, I, I don't know. I know everybody was hyped. Excuse me. Everybody was hyped for that, for that um, meeting. And it wouldn't surprise me if he did, because we did. I mean, it's a quarterback, it's our quarterback trying to score points. I mean, sure. it's funny that that, you know, there was a lot made after the game about, okay, Lamar, like actually on the zoom or whatever locker room, whatever, like was pretty vocal for, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the first time, but it was kind of painted. Like it was okay. Yeah. He's really kind of stepping out of his normal, I don't know, routine or position or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And really made something more of that game. We all kind of have, uh, or sorry, um, like special teams, defense and, and offense all kind of have like the leaders. And so like, um in 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 any given game there might be a guy that kind of steps up from each and we all all three have somebody speak um and uh or uh we did um have somebody speak before before the games and just kind of talk about you know you know team stuff like what are we trying to do and that kind of thing and um i think it was just lamar's turn i don't think i don't know that he like requested to do it or anything like that but he spoke many i mean he's spoken many times in meetings and stuff like that he does a good job and um yeah so i mean guys get hyped before games and we always say um don't peak too early so you know you want to get hyped before the game but then you got to go back to, you, know, you got to go to sleep and you know be ready for the game so how do you guys how do you guys you know you said you sort of try to detach yourself emotionally as it's going through for a game like that, especially when there's, the, you know, it's a playoff game and then there's so much emotion around it considering you, know, mm -hmm. you guys have gone through with them. How do you do that once you hit the field? Like how do you and Sam and Justin kind of say, all right, you know, things happen. 
You know, you watch LeBron yeah. in the pick in the first quarter. We're staying at neutral. You watch yeah. and then him run for a 41 or whatever yard touchdown, and you kind of yeah. see where it is. How do you guys do that? Um, I, Like, I don't know if it's like a – it's definitely not like a specific mechanism that we do, but it just kind of like – I've kind of conditioned myself personally since I was in college. Um, You know, the, the snapper ahead of me in, at Tennessee was like – told me one time that he got like really excited when he got an interception and he ran out there because it was like a pick six and he ran out there for the extra point and like nearly sailed the snap. And so I was like, well, I never want to do that. (laughs) So um, I just kind of, you know, you just kind of set it in your head. Like I'm going to be straight line, like even keel and um, we'll celebrate after the game. I I do celebrate a lot when like we'll make a big field goal um, just because you do, you pin up a lot of, a lot of emotion and in that time, cause you do like when, when you see like an interception like that, especially one like, like Marcus had um, at Tennessee, you know, obviously you want to jump up and down and like get excited and stuff, but um, you know, you just kind of know you got to do a job. So uh, if, if you let yourself get, get too in hand of that, then um, you know, you could, you could not perform. And so you want to keep yourself, from doing that. So I usually like if Tuck makes a big field goal or, you know, we run down the field, uh, make a big tackle, then I'll, I'll let, I'll let a lot of that energy out emotion out. And, and people like look at me weird too. Cause I remember the Tennessee game after, after one of the kicks late, um, you know, I, I yelled or let out a, a yell or something. And, uh, and Will, Will Compton, one of their players uh, said something to me. I didn't hear it, but, he said something to me like shut up or whatever i don't know but <laughs> whatever dude i'm excited and i don't have very good comebacks for that stuff like that it just, <laughs> i'm like oh whatever do you spend time afterwards thinking about what you should have said is it one oh, of those things I, to this to this day <laughs> yeah absolutely is there one that really got away from you like oh man is it um oh sh- what, how am i forgetting this it's like I really jerk stores or jerk store. I, I can't believe I just forgot what jerk store was. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember anything that just like comes, comes off the top of my head. Uh, but I mean, there, there's plenty of times where I get over to the sidelines and I'm like, wait, he said this to me. I should have said this, you know, like, <laughs> do you, do you have like guys in the AFC North on the other side of the ball that you're used to just kind of hovering around that guys that are kind of nasty or guys that you just kind of are like, well, I got to keep my head on a swivel. Cause I'm sure you try to do the best you can not to even consider those types of things. Cause for all the reasons you kind of just mentioned, but are yeah. there a couple of guys or a couple of teams that you're kind of like looking out for? Well, yeah. AFC North, just cause you play, you know, your division opponents, just because you play somebody so many times, like, you know, their tendencies, you know, who plays hard and you know, who would be looking to blindside you um, early on in my career, you could, you could do that blindside somebody. And so like, yeah, I definitely had my head on a swiveler. I knew like who was able to do that. Um, but uh, I didn't really have anybody like any, anybody nasty, no, nowadays like i know so many people on on the other teams like like uh who's it carl davis i think is i think he's on uh the steelers now or something like that and so like you know i'll um i more often than not i'm like talking to people and like hey how's your family and stuff <laughs> so, 
And and also, so we we don't really have to dive into any more of the Tennessee game. I think you guys got all your questions. I'm a Titans fan, by the way. So we did, this is you know. I was a oh, Titans fan in college. I, I went to a um, not in college. Yeah, well, in college and in high school, but I went to a Titans uh, game against the Bills. It would have been 04, um, and it was like 30 degrees outside, and I had six buddies, and we painted Titans across our chest. <laughs> so that would have been that would have been some good ammo for me to find before the playoff game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On purpose, I made sure that that uh, all my all my buddies uh, threatened to send that out to people. But so like, that's the thing from Awesome Powers, where they got Titans all spelled out in the an. Yeah. A in the end, walk yeah. away. Yeah, <laughs> and that that happened at some point during the game. I'm like, sure it did. They had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so it was funny. And, and so we we saw, um, and at least I saw on Instagram when when Mark Ingram after the season had and just an insane amount of jerseys all spread out with oh, all yeah. those messages from players. Uh, did you get any of the goodie goodie bags like that? Did you uh, did you sort you know reach out to any any teammates and? I'm, and, and get it. Are you a Jersey guy? Are you a Jersey collector guy? Or I'm not a big like Jersey collector guy. Um, I've I've got a few um, from you know sna- buddies that are snappers or or guys that I played with at Tennessee, um, but I really don't. I'm not a big like Jersey collector. And I'll get I'll get some at the Pro Bowls when I've when I've when I've gotten those. I've gotten helmets um, from guys, but um, I haven't haven't really collected jerseys as much. So what was it like to get all of the, um, you know, speaking of, of, of sort of that, you know, him getting that as he, as he leaves, you, you got so much respect and love from the fan base um, on those couple of days after, after it was announced, you weren't coming back. What was it like to sort of experience that in a position where, you know, as we talked about the first time you were on, it's only when you mess up does the name right. come up normally. That's right. Um, I kept telling people, I'm like, I had no idea this many people knew my name. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was kind of overwhelming at times. I mean, just like, cause, cause like I, I have plenty of time in my hands, especially after the season, but I was trying to go through and like, like everything and, you know, just, you know, kind of show some appreciation back for, for it and stuff. And um, it was just, it was, it was pretty interesting to read, read through, um, you know, and very cool to, to read through and have every, the positivity. I kind of needed it at the time. So. <laughs> what was the, do you remember like the favorite comment that you saw? They were like, how does that person know that about me or remember that? that yeah. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember any, there was a, somebody uh, posted a, a meme or something like that underneath when, when it's when it said they had released me or something, I don't remember now. But I sent it. I, I sent it to like Justin and Sam, and laughed about it. But uh, man, I wish I could remember what it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was stuff like that. I was reading through the, the memes and people's reaction to it, and made me feel good. Made me feel good if people were upset. About <laughs> did you? Did I mean, you I'm, not lie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I was. Get a chance so, to read. Um, there was a barstool blogger i don't know if you know him he, he wrote an entire you know story oh. about you um, not allowed to be posted on the site but he's still you know we thank him for his service he, he still posted it on his twitter i, did read it. I wrote the blog and and i got a text from somebody i won't name names um but it rhymes with eight um and he's just like we don't need a blog about a long snapper and i was like well <laughs> 
All right, man. You, you wouldn't know what it's like to have the greatest long snapper of all time on your football team. So just give me whatever. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I saw, I saw it all and, um, I very much appreciate it, but, um, Oh, what was I going to say? One of my, one of my friends did tell me, he's like, Morgan, if you're ever having a, a bad day, you ought to just jump on Twitter and, and, uh, just look at all the love you're getting right now. You'll feel a lot better. <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> so I mean, there, there's not many I can't think of another long snapper that's gotten a thank you video from the team like that that was the most impressive thing I <laughs> and think the thank like you graphic and the thank you graphic they, yeah they I mean they went yeah, all out. I don't know I yeah I did not expect any of that but um obviously very appreciative of all the of all the messages and, and the blogs that were not posted so <laughs> <laughs> what what is this what does this now look like for you from a free agency perspective you've been with the Ravens for so long you go into this process now you know, we hear about the top flight wide receivers and quarterbacks. Yeah. A long snapper. How does this work? Are, are, are you sending out snapping or are people saying, yeah. like, what is the situation? Well, I've, you know, I've made my agent's job pretty easy um, for the last 11 years. So um, he's, he's going to have to go to bat for me now. He's got to earn the commission um, check a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, right now, exactly what you just said. I mean, if uh, if he called a team right now, uh, you know, a GM or something like that, he'd probably a GM would probably be like, I know you're not calling me about a long snapper in February. So, um, <laughs> they're worried about, um, you know, quarterbacks, wide receivers and the, and the big pieces. And um, that's OK. I know my place. Oh, come uh, on now. The, yeah, the, don't uh, see yourself short. The long snapper carousel. It's one of the Tennessee ones. needs one, I think. Yeah. It was like uh, its own menu item on know. Madden every year. Everybody yeah, knows so, a long snapper carousel. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, <laughs> I I don't think I can sign officially anyway until March, I think March 17th or something like that. But I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't like put out some like, you know, text to other specialists and, and uh, let them know like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be on the street, you know, and see if they um, texted their GMs or whatever. So We'll see. Do you, you know? need do you need to put together any trick shot videos, anything like that? Because I mean, a, maybe we could get hit, hit the internet streets and then and, and get something rolling here. That's a good idea. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll need to you know validate myself that way. Put out some videos. And, <laughs> um, uh, I'll I'll uh, if I can think of something, I'll, or if y'all think of something, I'll. I'll uh, I just, I think we put a bottle on Banks's head, and you can just you know snap <laughs> snap the ball and try and hit it off. Do, do you have an idea what velo that you snap at? Are you doing like rotations per minute or anything like that? Like, is there, are there next gen long snapping stats? There actually, there, there are um, because they're only, well, only because there are quarterback next gen ball stats. Sure. And so I don't know exactly what mine are, but I think we did the math of like if I threw the ball like you know from or if I snapped the ball to the punter like we knew the distance and we knew how quickly it gets there because normally it's 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 measured like 0.7 seconds or 0.75 seconds is what was the way it's measured and so we we like I remember it was like this huge discussion for a while of like how to calculate that and then um, Flacco heard us talking about it and he was like well, all you do is this and so, and he did it and it like came out to the, 
proper uh, mile per hour and stuff. But like, are you talking like about it for like 20 minutes? And then he comes in and just like, no, you just do this. Wait, was he talking about like how to calculate it? Like, was he doing the math problem like on the yeah. chalkboard in Little Big League? No, he did it in his head, like right there. He's like, <laughs> oh, you just divide this number and this number, whatever. And I don't even remember how he did it. I couldn't do it right now, but he did it. And um, I was like, I kind of pride myself. I feel like I'm decent at math. And he um, he just comes in and feet per and second or something yeah. like that. So we calculated to to 35 miles per hour um, from you know, starting point to like the 14 yards it takes or like 13 yards or something like that. It's somewhere between like 35 and 40 miles per hour um, traveling back there when that would be like obviously an average speed. But um, then this past year, we, we had the little chip balls and I, because they, they measure it with Lamar and, and stuff, but I snapped a few of those and it can measure like your spiral efficiency. So like when you, when you throw the ball, if you're, if the ball wobbles at all, then it'll tell you like, you know, certain percentage. Um, but I don't remember, I'd have to ask our data guy what, what my exact mile per hour was, but yeah. But yeah, it's conceptually. Okay. Sam somewhat, you know, they say revolutionize the game with different types of punting styles and spinning the ball this way that way what kind of innovation can we get going for the long snapping game like are we going for speed like if we obviously conceptually the quicker you get the ball into your your holder or and probably more importantly your punter's hands yeah the better and so are we going for speed here like what's if if 90 miles an hour was was the the fastball going in the 80s for major league baseball pitchers like how do we push that to 100 like how do we do, how that's, do we get this to the next level? That's a good question. Um, I, so there, I think that there's a threshold. This is my theory. There's a threshold on how fast you can throw it. You can throw it too fast um, simply sure. because not every punter is, you know, the best athlete in the world like Sam Cook is. Um, <laughs> nice save. <laughs> so not every punter is as good as he is. So, so you would have to be able to like, account for that like if a guy doesn't have as good of hands um you know you need to be able to um throw it to where he can catch it it's like you know you say catchable ball like Flacco threw one of the most catchable balls I mean it was a beautiful ball that um like I mean Aaron Rodgers throws a great ball Lamar throws a good ball um and uh so you would want to want it to be like efficient spiral or whatever but then you would also want it to spin the same number of times because I think I talked about it last time. Like when I snap a field goal snap, Sam is supposed to catch it to where the laces like hit him right in his fingers. And so you want to be able to like have it spin the same number of times every time. So yeah, next gen would be how many revolutions, you know, how consistent are your revolutions? So who was, who was that lineman that the Ravens had? That was super smart. I'm I, um, uh, Urschel? John, John Urschel. He was yeah. probably doing that stuff like during the game, like yeah, exactly. ca- calculating yeah. in his head. The um, yeah, I, I wish that I could even make fun of him using big words, but like maybe the standard deviation of the vector, something. <laughs> yeah, uh, vectors in the mix. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a, a like we could do a long snapping consultancy. We just yeah. go in and and fix you know the, the based on analytics and. Yeah. Hey, I, um, I mean, there's the guys that have come through training camp with the Ravens. Um, I kind of pride myself on, uh, 
you know, a few of the young guys that came through training camp the last few years uh, are on other teams and stuff. So I don't know if it's because of me as much as it is just them being talented, but uh, you know, um, I mean, the Ravens can organization is the consultancy. It's a yeah. trading yeah. kicker punters away for fifth right. round picks. Exactly. Right. You know, <laughs> you say that's uh -huh. like your, uh, it's like your coaching tree almost. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what you yeah. need to have. That that's that needs to be on your your resume, your highlight yeah. tape. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been in the in the league so many years now. I remember, um, like a, a couple of guys were in high school that I like met up with. I wouldn't say that like I coached them necessarily, but I met up with them and snapped with them. Uh, Hunter Bradley comes to mind um, with the Packers. Um, Joe Cardona was was at Navy. Um, going into his senior season when we met up and like worked together and then um, a few of the guys that came through the league like Ta um, uh, Tabor Pepper um, a few other people that you know that are on other teams right now so how does that how do you do you have like guys that like are local and they'll be like let me find the best long snapper and learn uh -huh. in, in, in a two hours radius and get some work in like that's got to be cool for like a high school kid to to work with an NFL yeah, I've had a few people reach out, like high school guys um, reach out or their dads usually reach out and um, I'll, we'll, we'll meet up. And um, it used to be it um, over there in Reisterstown. I just um, guys would meet up with me and, you know, I, my dad did the exact same thing. Really, when you show up and, and you see, um, you know, your, your son snaps, you know, to me or to somebody, you want somebody to validate how he's doing. And, and, you know, and I'll, and I'll coach to a degree, but, you know, usually it, it shows up and you're like, well, how's he doing? Like, he looks really good. You know, he, you know, he just needs to keep working at it. And so that's, that's, that's my line. Every time someone asks like, uh, what's the secret? And we're like, well, I wish I could give you the secret, but I just, I've been doing it for 25 years. So. I'm kind of curious, you know, you get to an off season and you've had a really good season and, you know, in terms of training or, or, or staying sharp or not, like what's, what's kind of a typical off season. Do you take some time off and then it's like getting back on a horse or like, yeah, you know, like what is the I kind change, of the, feel I change up my routine or I have changed up my routine um, pretty much every year. Um, so I guess it wouldn't be a routine if I change it up, but um, lately I, I got, I'm, I'm on that Peloton life. And so I'm a, uh, <laughs> I've been I've done three workouts now um, on Peloton um, and then I'll start my like, like lifting regiment here in the next couple of weeks. But I, the Super Bowl is usually like the marker for me. I'll um, I start kind of getting into it after the Super Bowl. When it comes to the actual long snapping though, are there, do you like go into an off season saying like, I need, I want to work on like this little tweak or that little tweak. Is it kind of like a golfer? Sometimes they seem to be chasing, mm -hmm. you know, something all the yeah. time. Is there something that you chase per se in terms of improving or is it just like you have it just need to keep it? You yeah. Know, I would say it's more on the, on the habit, a habit. And like, I'll think of a, a number of like how many snaps I want to do in a week. So just so that I'm not like, when I come into training camp, I'm not like, you know, I'll snap 75 balls in a day in training camp. Um, just so I'm not going from, you know, zero to a hundred that quickly. I'll, I'll kind of try and stay in shape um, and sharp just so my body doesn't wear out too quickly. But um, yeah, generally it's, 
it's pretty light. I usually take, as far as snapping goes, I usually take off until April. So. Now you mentioned the Peloton. Um, you're going to be one of those guys that when you retire, like Marshall Yonder, we're going to see you like four months later and you're going to be like 190 pounds, aren't you? I don't think so. I think I would look like a skeleton if I, if I lost <laughs> too much weight. I, I do want to stay healthy and I like, I like the Peloton. I like last year I did, um, I did some like triathlon stuff with my friends um, here in Tennessee. Um, shout out to Drew, shout out to Drew Chad and uh, Michael Franks. Um, they they we went on a couple of really long rides and uh, some 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 swimming and, and running stuff that um, that was fun. It was kind of one of those things like fun to accomplish. Um, but uh, I'll probably you know explore some of that. But I'll, I I won't lose as much as Marshall. Marshall's like down to basically like my size now so you gotta see if you can get the uh the xbox hooked up to the uh tv on the peloton that that yeah. that that's how you do those long rides we yeah, talked about it before. Yeah. exactly exactly yeah. yeah i'll be i'm on the i'm on the call of duty for sure <laughs> uh last time i have to I have to ask you last time we had you on we asked you if tennessee was back tennessee football uh a lot has happened since you declared you were semi-back are we yes. back are we back to the start are you back to the start of the three to four year process to get back? Now? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't know what to say about my university. It just, <laughs> it's, uh, we have some, we have some of the most passionate fans, um, that are some of the most impatient people in, in all of sports, I would say, uh, you know, we had the glory years back in the day. Um, and I think everybody thinks that, that we're just going to be able to you know, snap a finger and it'll all be back. But I'm just on the, you know, um, continuity side of things. I want to see a coach for five years, regardless of how he's doing. Um, hopefully you make a good hire and then you got to kind of let him get his guys in there, let, it get, let his system get in there and then you make a decision. But this whole like, you know, two years, three years thing, nobody can get anything started from there. You best coach in the world can't do that. So <laughs> Fresh start again. Fresh yeah. start again for the volunteers. Uh, yeah, probably going to wrap things up here. I have yeah. one, one or two last questions here. Uh, uh, 46, is is there a more long snapper number than 46? <laughs> <laughs> There's not. No. Are you looking at other rosters, like which teams have 46 a... occupied and which don't? Or um, I mean – I don't think it'll weigh in my decision on where I go, but yeah, I would definitely love to keep my number, you know, cause I can't change my like Instagram tag. You know, I won't, I don't want to have to change that, you know? So it's about the brand. It's about the brand. 46 is the brand. the brand. Yeah. So, but then again, it could be a, you know, a fresh start kind of thing. Who knows? So I'm trying to go for 11 more wherever I go. So I'll be like older than Tom Brady is, but Hey, are you gonna be you gotta have goals? You know, you're gonna be stumbling around uh, some Florida city in 11 years with a, with another ring. <laughs> I hope so. With seven rings on <laughs> my finger. Heck yeah, man. More power to Tom, man. I saw he got, he was getting some flack over that. I was like, come on, man. The man can't celebrate being the greatest at greatest ever at his position. I mean, well, now you've got to get on a boat and snap the Lombardi trophy back. Oh up. yeah. That's how we take it to the next level. Yeah. There it is. Uh, what did Gronk, Gronk, do, Gronk threw like a fastball at it and dented the, he like used it to bunt. He like bunted with it. That's right. That's what it was. <laughs> dented yeah. it. Yeah. 
By the way, I, I'm trying to do some quick research. I think only I think 46 has only been retired by one franchise, and that's the Browns. Don Fleming, who played 1960 to 1962. So I think interesting. You've got some options there, just not the okay. Browns. All right. Played 1960 to 1962. Mm-hmm. And he's retired number. And his retired number. That's what it, that's what Wikipedia says, and Wikipedia has never lied. Low standard. Yeah. Retired. Never lied. Not once. Ah, you'd be no. careful if somebody's been on the team that short and the numbers retired. Something bad might have happened. Oh, yeah. But it's true. Yeah, but it's I, I no, that's true. I was gonna say it's Cleveland, but yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I won't. I won't go on about that. But Cleveland's got a solid snapper, so I don't think I'll be, <laughs> they're not gonna be calling me. So I don't have to worry about it. But you know, you never know. Somebody if. There is another 46 on the roster. I think of like, what was it, Alfred Alfred Morris? Oh, yeah. He oh, yeah. 46. So, are you mad that, that a running back, or did you like that the running back was given 46? I kind of kinda gave it some, gave it some uh, respect, I guess. Yeah. So, I think Tennessee, Tennessee has a guy that's 46. Um, so, yeah, it's the first roster you looked at, huh? I mean, I mean it, it makes, I mean, it makes sense. It out, you know, I mean, <laughs> It's I like said a on the hour drive for me, so he we can keep it in the family here. <laughs> oh yeah, jo- yeah, Joshua Kalu, yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, we can, yeah. See what we can do there. Yeah, you, guys always, you know, are looking for free vacations or stuff. You never know. <laughs> Send a Rolex or, or something as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do have to apologize to the family of Don Fleming. He died in a. Uh, oh God! Don't do this to me. No. Uh, say well, say it again. He, in a he, what? Uh, he. he Fleming and his coworker Walter Smith were operating a crane on a construction site west of Orlando, Florida, when a boom of a crane brushed an overhead 12,000 volt high tension electrical transmission line, and they were electrocuted. Oh, so okay. So that's a tough that's scene. when he was playing. He was playing. He was playing. At that time. So he was. Yeah, that was like was, his second job, I guess. Yeah, it was a second job, and he was planning to be a construction to run a construction company after his career was over. He majored in building construction. Player, he played at Florida. First team All oh, SEC, yeah. also in the uh, the Florida Athletic Hall of Fame. Years, Florida oh, Athletic. That's the grittiest thing I've ever heard. Twenty eighth <laughs> round, twenty eighth <28th laughs> round pick in nineteen fifty nine. Twenty eighth round. Twenty eighth round. Oh my goodness! I'm an so, asshole then. Yeah. So. I just showed you guys my house right there. Say <laughs> so your. Oh, your alarm. Oh, yeah. That was uh. So as soon as you said sixty to sixty two, I was like. Ooh, you don't get numbers retired unless yeah. something bad happens there. Yeah. Also yeah. led Florida in home runs and stolen bases as a baseball player, guys. Oh, athlete. my goodness. This, I told you, man. This guy's the greatest guy I've ever heard of. Donnie, Donnie, Donnie Fleming. He, he did 50 or 46 right. That's some uh, quick research, man. That's up there with uh, – what is it, Jamie on, uh, on uh, Joe Rogan? Jamie oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. If I can, if I can get, if we can get compared to that podcast, maybe carve about ten percent of their listeners. We're gonna be heck like, yeah, heck yeah, ten percent. That's I'm that's serious. We'll number. take that. His listeners are gigantic. I'm researching forty sixes, and there's hardly anything out there. Uh, you might be. Uh, you, you say Todd Christensen? Is that what you said, Eric, or is it somebody else? What was oh, the name? Kalu. Josh Kalu is on the Titans at forty six. Todd Christensen was a forty six. You got Lee Smith. Uh, and Andy Pettit, steroids. So there you go. You you might be in the running for greatest forty sixes of all time. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. So, all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all 
Uh, last question for me, and and obviously uh, you worked with them, Ravens fans. We, we we want you to be snapping our footballs, but Nick Moore is now snapping our footballs. What are what are we getting in in Mr. Moore? Nick Nick Moore's a, he's a great dude. He's a good snapper, big guy. Um, uh, Nick played. I took him up with you guys because he's got stories on stories. He played minor league ball for four years after high school, then went to Georgia and played at Georgia for uh, four years. But uh, I mean, just for y'all, y'all love the uh, the minor league stories that 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 he has. Um, some he can tell, probably some that he can't tell. <laughs> um, but uh, no, he he's a, he's a good dude and and a, a heck of a, a Call of Duty player too. So XFL guy too, it looks like. Yeah, XFL. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get him to to start like a what is it Twitch or something like that, a streaming, watching him play uh, uh, Call of Duty. You know, because people people do that now. So. <laughs> Uh, you're watching we, we 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 need to get you and him on there you hosting the party that's right we get yeah the morgan cox kd up a little bit i've learned i've learned that now and i mean <laughs> i'll be i'll be hosting every every uh lobby from now on so there it is uh morgan thanks so much for coming on with us uh, appreciate everything you did for the ravens organization i know you have a fan in in, in all three of us and, and a lot of people in baltimore and i'm glad you, you got your due uh, at your end of your time here. So can't wait to see you on another squad. Um, two-time All-Pro? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. that's how they roll now. I think that has hey, to be 11 years, man, 11 more. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. And seven rings. And seven rings. Seven rings. <laughs> Stumbling in Florida. So. Can you, if, you, if you get to seven, will you guarantee that you'll snap the Lombardi? Can we get that on the record here? If I get to seven, yes, I'll absolutely snap the Lombardi for sure. <laughs> now that this is on the record, when yeah. you, if you were to get that seventh, they're not letting you within a mile of that trophy. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like the lead story going up to that. To that <laughs> so. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Uh, thanks so much to Morgan Cox for jumping on with us. I mean, what a, what a great guy, and and you hope that he just gets another another spot. I mean, RDT, he's got to play for your team. I mean, that would that you know that would be awesome for him to you know be back near home and and get that chance. I think I said it when when it was announced that they were releasing him. Like, let's keep it all on the podcast. Like, there's no reason he can't be on this this show next year making. Uh, just wearing an, uh, you know, another color and behind, well, I guess for you guys behind enemy lines. Um, I, again, we can try and grease the wheels with Josh Kalu, get him to give up 46. 46 isn't really a DB number anyways. So uh, let's yeah, uh, 46 let's, is a brutal DB number. That That's like a, a that's like the last guy on the roster. Yeah, you're a practice squad. Oh, we're just making much. nice about 46 with Morgan Cox, like five but minutes ago. DB, and now we're just not a DB for, number. A DB. Yeah, fine. DB. But, but it was okay for Alfred Morris, but it's not okay for DBs. Like we're just like it changing our tune on. here. But it looked good on Alfred Morris because he's a bigger guy running the ball. Like he yeah, wasn't like a Chris player. Johnson wouldn't be good wearing 46. Okay. All right. Are you, are you want to keep challenging on that one? You, 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 no, I mean that's all warranted. I just somebody's got to stand up for for forty sixes out here. Uh, sounds like Nick Moore though, a, a very interesting replacement from a uh, from a stories perspective. So we'll have to hopefully have Nick on. 
uh, to talk if about. If his friend Mookie wants to come on too, that yeah, would be awesome. Yeah, that, what a yeah. casual drop. Uh, <laughs> you play with a guy, uh, Mookie Betts? Uh, yeah, maybe we can get Mookie on. Have, you know, talk a little Dodgers, talk a little Red Sox. But, uh, yeah, the Ravens will have a, a new long snapper. And it really was cool, honestly. We talked about it. We You know, we all texted about it. And, and we talked about it a little on the show. The love he got from the fans and the organization was I would be stunned if a long snapper maybe ever gets a, a similar reception uh, at that point. In their career. I can't imagine so. Should have been a blog on barstoolsports.com. Probably. But, but you know. It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, so thanks to Morgan for, for coming on. Um, and, and as you said, if he's on the Titans, we'll just bring him back. We'll just have him continue to be a correspondent. And if anyone has any uh, Call of Duty Warzone tips for him, yeah, make sure to tweet those at him, tag us in that, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get those, uh, those tips over to him. Yeah, talked a little call. we talked a little Call of Duty on the show, but there's a lot of Call of Duty talk uh, before uh, we hit the record button with Morgan. Sounds like he's, he's trying to get his bearings back. <laughs> so, uh, it sounds like Nick Moore is really, really good. So we can we can talk about that with him when he comes on. Uh, guys, we have another starting five draft to do here. Banks, you came up with this idea. Explain the draft to the people. Uh, we're doing the whole very good. Um, I guess I'll be just straightforward because he's not eligible for for this particular draft. But the the criteria is players that are eligible. For the Hall of Fame, um, you have to pick one NBA, one NHL, one MLB, and then add two wild cards. Like I said, the player has to be eligible. And then the the other caveat is it can't just be guy who's not in because of steroids or off-field issues. Yes. Like your Barry Bonds, your Sammy Sosa's that are obviously Hall of Famers. We're not just going to do a whole draft of that. We want to like really honor these guys that just don't get their – they're proper due or just like deserve some recognition, but they're not quite Hall of Fame guys um, and just and make a sweet starting five of them. So, um, yeah. And this was this was inspired by uh, Dustin Bedroya retiring. That's when the idea popped into my head. Just a big time Hall of Very Good guy. Yeah, very, uh, very solid choice here. Okay, so I had the first pick last week. Marty had the first pick in the um, Super Bowl draft, and RDT had the first pick in the city's draft. So, Banks, it feels like you have to have the first pick in this draft. I would say, RDT, you have the second pick. I have the third pick in the draft this week. So, Banks, whenever you're ready, you are on the clock. With the first overall pick of the Hall of Very Good draft, I am going to take Jamal Lewis. Uh, Baltimore Raven, um, surprised that his numbers weren't really like when I went to his page, you know, probably a couple of years ago when I was like, yeah, this guy never really got a hall of fame discussion. I thought his numbers would be a lot more substantial. Um, he only played until age 30 because he was just a battering ram for his, his nine seasons in, in the league eight, really, if you take out his, his, he misses his entire sophomore year, which is really the prime of your career, but 2000 yard guy in, in 2003 uh, rushed for 7,801 yards as a Raven. Um, yeah. I mean, whether well, seven guys who are in that 2000 yard club. And when you go back and you watch the videos of him, like you forget 
how freaking quick that guy was for being an absolute load. I mean, the, him the beating guys to the end zone is crazy. The, the Cleveland highlights when he when he breaks the single game rushing record. I mean, he kind of does it in every way. Like he he beats guys with quickness. He beats guys and, and gets extra yards with his physicality, and then he burns DBs. He burns safeties and corners. And he's like, shifty, and it looks funny because you're used to shiftier guys nowadays having smaller pads, and his pads are so big, and he's just so big as it is that he it, it all looks disjointed, but it it's all in like a very I don't know, artistic sounds a little cheesy, but like it's very fluid the way he would he would kind of make hard cuts and then make guys miss and just get them off balance and just bowl them over and then beat you in a foot race to the end zone. Guy's a beast. That is a, that's a great and a local, a local pick to start. Uh, just to clarify, there has to be at least one pick from MLB, NHL, or excuse me, MLB, NBA, NFL, and then two wild cards. RDT. So I am, I guess I could go two ways with this. Um, I'm sticking with, with, NFL running back I'm going and I see this is I don't even know if he'll fall into this Bo Jackson is this a mm. or do you yeah. I'm thinking yeah. I'm thinking like a guy who again could have, could have been in the Hall of Fame um, obviously due to his injury and 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 the wear and tear on that body it's that's the reason why he's not if if you guys want to decline it I have another one it's a really interesting case because you could make the argument that from a skill perspective, he was transcendent, but the production doesn't get him to the Hall of Fame, but he's great. Like, he's better than very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it, it's hard for me he, to take it away from you. I just – I don't know if I would have defined I, it. I don't think – I no, I think it plays. I think it works. Okay. Um, okay. I think it's – If it plays, it plays. Yeah, like it's he doesn't – definitely an interesting case, though, of someone that – you know, has a 30 for 30 made about them because of their transcendent physical skills, but because of health and because of trying to play two sports and all those different things, didn't have a Hall of Fame career in either of the two sports that he excelled at. It's yeah, like, there's more than one route to the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. So I think there's, to some degree, I think a lot of the potential names on the list, this list are going to be guys who just weren't able to, to have the longevity to reach. The, I mean, Jamal Lewis is kind of an example of that. Um, where I think just the concussions and just what he went through, you know, kind of warmed out. Um, he spent his last three years in Cleveland. So, uh, yeah, no, I think it's, it's almost in the spirit of the, uh, the draft to take a guy like Bo Jackson. It's a pretty good pick. Take him at number two. Thank you very much. Um, I've gone back and forth a lot on this. Um, and, Oh man, there's 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 some really 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 good basketball ones. I don't know how many how much and and but I think I'm gonna start with football and I'm gonna go with uh, Tory Holt. I'm gonna pick Tory Holt, who was on some of the best offenses in in football history and is a guy that is a very fringy Hall of Famer and gets talked about a lot as a guy that people are upset isn't in the Hall of Fame, but was awesome, but was not transcendently awesome. Was sort of hidden behind Isaac Bruce. I always loved watching those Rams teams. So I'm going to go Torrey Holt. The, it, every now and then, I'll like randomly think of Torrey Holt. 
pop onto his NFL reference page and I'm just like looking at it being like, how the hell, how is he not, how is I'm he doing not it in? right it, now? I'm literally exactly. looking at the it right stats now. stats are awesome. He just, there's just something missing to the, I don't know what's missing to the resume too. Super Bowl champion, seven time pro bowler. Only made one all pro team. I, yeah. but it's, I don't, I, I, he's, He's a guy who's almost like Reggie Wayne to me, where it's like, is, like Reggie Wayne is in the hall. No, no, he is yeah. very much a candidate for he this draft. draft. But <laughs> it's like, I, I just always remember like Tory Holt, and I always do like their Hall of Famer by, were they the best at their position for an extended period of time, three or four years? And it's like, yes, he has Tory Holt was a thousand yard season, and the other three seasons he was over seven hundred yards, <laughs> and he had that, and he had that jacked up finger. That was the best the picture, different era that, too, picture. Yeah, I, I'm stunned. I can't believe he's not in it. Yeah, like he's he's one that gets bandied about now. Every, he will get bandied about pretty much every year now. He had the longest he's, reception. He's been, a, he's been a semifinaler for semifinalist for the Hall of Fame for six consecutive years. He had the longest reception <laughs> of the 2000 NFL season, an 85 yard catch. Shannon Sharp, 96 in nice. the playoffs. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Torrey Holt to start, um, who really could end up being in the Hall of Fame, but he's not now, so he he uh, he gets into this. And then I'm going to take a basketball player that I think totally epitomizes the Hall of Very Good, that he is a, not a great player. He is just a classic very good player. And I, I think I might be taking him too high here. Um, I'm taking Sean Marion. Sean Marion is the epitome of a very good NBA player. He was on a lot of very good teams. He was a part of a lot of winning teams, won a ton of games with the Suns, won a title uh, with the Mavericks, and, you know, was on probably four or five all-star teams, a couple all-NBA teams. Played with those Heat teams too, right? 15, great defender, had a bizarre – but there were, like, also holes to him. Had a bizarre release, you know, a bizarre jump shot release – Won an Olympic medal. He's a very good player. He will not make the Hall of Fame, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I almost picked him in our uh, in our uh, nickname draft last week too. Uh, the Matrix, great nickname. Great, great nickname. so great nickname. <laughs> he has a ton, ton on the resume, but he's not a Hall of Famer. He's a very, very good player, and so I, I, I his name immediately came to my mind when, when we, when you initially sent the text about this. <laughs> uh, RDT. I'm doing just another another quick check, really, really quick. I've checked these people like eight times to make sure they're not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Tori Holt, I checked, I checked three different websites to make sure I wasn't an idiot. Um, let me, let me, I'm just, I okay, so I don't see it, and this, I this kind of just blew my mind looking at his numbers. Um, Sean Alexander, mm-hmm. mm, very high peak. Yep, nine thousand four hundred fifty-three yards. So not even ten thousand yards. Yeah, which is, I mean, gun to my head. Twenty minutes ago, I would have said he was twelve or thirteen thousand yards easy, easy. Um, and again, I'm looking. I mean, three-time Pro Bowler, only one-time all one first team All Pro. Um, the two thousands Hall of Fame, All two thousands team. That's what I, I saw. Tory Holt was in that too. It was like, oh, I didn't even know that's a thing. Yeah, he's got um, one of the all time great individual fantasy seasons of all time. Yeah, eighteen hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns. Twenty seven touchdowns. I used to do that on Madden. Cover Madden. He's got Get a Madden, Madden cover. cover. Yeah, Madden yeah. cover guy. Yeah, I mean, it's again, Sean Alexander. 
I forgot he played those four games with the the, the football team in 2008 too. Yeah. yeah again, I mean, he played, he played nine years. He retired at 31. Um, but his, I mean, from 2001 to 2005, he was, he was arguably the best. It was him or another guy that may be named later um, as arguably the best running back in, in football. Jamal Lewis. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking Priest Holmes. Yeah, that's also what I was but, thinking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sean, Sean Alexander. And again, another the nickname, Mr. Touchdown, which I've never heard anyone call him that. It's but. also like, <laughs> it's also, I think the 2005 season killed him because it's it's immediately, his drop-off is it's, insane. Yeah. He goes, he first of all, he carried it 370 times. Yeah, but that's 800, like 12 games for, for, for Derek 880 Henry. yards, 27 TDs, um, caught a touchdown pass. At 5.1 yards per carry, he then goes into 2006, where I think at that point he's on the Madden cover. I can't remember if he was 05 or 06 Madden. Well, 05 was, was Ray Lewis. Ray, right. So there yeah. you go. That's right. So he was on the 06 Madden cover, um, I'm assuming then. I should probably look that up. As I'm just yeah, I'm people, looking it up. People that played Madden are, are probably like, what an idiot. He, he was on 07. 06 was McNabb. He was 07. on 07. So okay, after so the 07. 06. So, he, so after the 06, he totally – he only played 10 games, so he must have gotten hurt. Um, but he averages 3.6 yards a carry. Next year, he's on the Madden cover 07, averages 3.5 yards a carry, plays four games in 2008 with Washington's out of the league at 31 years old. I mean, it's just a it, running backs. It's a, it's a tough world. It's a tough world. Mm. All right. That, that was your pick, Eric? Yes, that was me. Okay. I am going to go uh, – I think I'm going to knock out my NBA pick. Uh, man, I've got like five or six guys that are right in the same window, but I like this one the best. I'm going to go with the franchise, Steve Francis. Um, there's probably some better players on this list, but in terms of just being sweet, like Steve Francis, obviously had the couple of years at Maryland, uh, dunk contest guy, three-time all-star. Your nickname is sweet. Like that. I don't know if we mentioned that name last week, but that could have been in there too. No, the franchise. Stevie franchise, Stevie Stevie franchise, franchise is, awesome. is a phenomenal nickname. Um, always a big fan of him. He had that kind of, uh, that kind of lovable, like a little bit undersized, but could jump through the ceiling type type thing going for him. So uh, I'm taking Stevie franchise. Oh, it's snake here too. So I'm still yeah, on the board. Double picking. Jeez. Um, I guess I'll knock out my baseball one here while I'm here, and I'm going to go with uh, Kenny Lofton. Yeah, on my list. Kenny I Lofton, it's a real shame. He finished as a 299 hitter in his career, but, um, you know, led the league in steals five times, 15th all-time with 622 steals. Uh, his war is 68.4. Um, he only got 3.2% of the vote in 2013. I think he's been off the ballot since, which is a fucking crime. It's absolutely criminal. They have that whole um, veterans committee now, I guess, that can kind of override that. And for them to put Harold Baines in before Kenny Lofton is just, just so disrespectful to Kenny Lofton. And, and people always think about, like, the Expos, and they think about Matt Williams when it comes to that 1994 season but he was the one actually leading the American league in war in 1994 when that strike happened. We do have to so. say Harold Baines from the Eastern shore. So he is indeed. Yeah. went to McDaniel with his son. Great NHL uh, player. <laughs> it's always your tidbit. It's like, yeah, it is. The guy it's... was sweet at NHL. And he looks just like his dad. <laughs> 
All right, and it's me now. Oh yeah, you were, that was, you were done with the. Okay, I don't want to cut you off or anything. Um, my I'll go NBA too, and this is a guy who, again, at his peak was one of, arguably the best defender in basketball, and just such an intimidating player. Mm. Um, have his jersey that. upstairs. Big Ben Ben Wallace was I that in before he even finished. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, he like. Brian, when you were talking about franchise and just talking about a sweet player, like Big Ben was just so fucking cool. He, he was on my list for sure. I mean, where he used to wear headbands around his arms, his biceps, like I kind of spaced out. He won four straight depoys. He was really, really like. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he gets in the Hall of Fame. At if he point. had the attitude like Rodman, like I don't know, the, like, and it's he's on one of the more or Barkley for that matter, mm-hmm. one of the more randomly constructed NBA title teams of all time. The yep. Chauncey Billups, Ben Rip, Wallace. Tayshaun Prince. Yeah, Tayshaun Prince. By the way, a lot of Hall of Very Good candidates. That that entire team is a yeah, Hall of Very Good. Rip Hamilton. We'll just run through people that can take him. But Rip Hamilton, Chauncey, Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince, Rasheed Wallace, none of those guys in the Hall of Fame. No, but they were all, like, I mean, they beat those, those, late, those prime Laker teams in the finals. Yeah. Like easy too, wasn't it? Was that four one? I think. Yeah, they beat the. They beat the. I think they beat the the washed up Gary Payton, Carl Malone version yes, of the yeah. of the Dynasty Lakers, where they tried to just sign really old guys and pair them with Kobe and Shaq before they traded Shaq in 06 or 05. But uh, yeah. one of but they beat them easy. Yeah, they beat them like four one. I think. Yeah, and again, it's like you, that that team that team winning reminded me of the Mavericks beating that those that Heat team. Um, Kind of just again being like, what are these guys doing here? And then them winning and being like, oh, shit, they're actually a pretty good basketball team. Um, but yeah, I mean, Big Big Ben was. And then I remember like, because again, I was I was into you know basketball back then, but I didn't know that that he was on the 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 Bullets slash Wizards at a point, and that they just let him go. And I was like, oh well, yep. yeah, that would have been a sweet jersey to have too. Okay, um, so I've got to get – I've got a football and I've got a uh, basketball player, so I've got to get a baseball player here. Um, there's there's a, a lot of great candidates um, for baseball, but I'm going to take uh, a guy that continues to be on the Hall of Fame ballot and I don't think is ever going to make it. I think he gets voted for by some people. I'm going to take Omar Vizquel, uh, mm. who's an amazing defender. Um, three-time All-Star, probably I think won double-digit Gold Gloves, uh, but like one of those guys that you remember for his defense and played fine, was a fine offensive player, and will not make the Hall of Fame, but is a guy I think every baseball fan that watched that era of baseball will remember as a notable guy um, on those really good Indians teams. So not not a great last couple months for him. I was gonna say, didn't but, he come uh, out as problematic recently? Yeah, he's problematic. But I mean, I could take back the pick if we're, no, if we're judging I think, on character issues. But I, you know, I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's right. You, you I'm know, trying to remember what it was about. What the domestic violence stuff? Yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, it was. It was. Some, yeah, there, nice. there was a, there was a, a good athletic. Well, I don't know if it's a good, but you, there was a you piece are just you know you and Antonio Brown and just okay. Omar no, no, Vizquel. No, 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 then you got I one more. I can take the pick back. I can take I don't, the pick I don't back. care. No, 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 you know what? I don't care. No, I'm taking no, the draft cards in. Draft cards in. 
You 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 submitted the. You pick. guys are you guys are questioning it now though because I'm I, not. I'm just saying like wanna... you know whatever like you you put the pick in and this is potentially some people might say reflective of of you know your character maybe but uh that is, that is let me tell you what that is <laughs> we might be going a quarter over that kind of slander but i I'm just right didn't now. know that's how calvert hall i mean uh, oh <laughs> no 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 men of faith men of integrity men of intellect come on get out of here um i uh <laughs> i'm reeling now I, i'm taking You're rattled antoine, i'm taking antoine jameson okay yeah damn it he's yeah, also think, on my list but I'm I, antoine jameson. I don't think i was gonna take him but he was on my list for sure. Yeah, a, a classic, very good, a classic, very good player. Yeah, he's your steady Eddie, like. Yeah, and 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 and, and was an accumulation guy, very much an accumulation guy, which gives him kind of a Hall of Fame case. Stuff but he's not a Hall of Famer. No, not at all. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he may become one because they're putting guys like Mitch Richmond in the Basketball Hall of Fame now. <laughs> like they're just putting accumulators in there. It's unbelievable but, how um, many how many remember it's it's how many one time bullets and wizards we keep bringing up in this conversation <laughs> uh, there's there's so many and I, in the honorable mentions there will be i have yeah i got some I for pick. sure i don't i don't get that yeah it's a, yeah and it's really there's there's honestly i'm just there's like five i can think of right off the top of so i'm thinking antoine jameson and it's the basketball hall of fame it's not like the nba hall of fame so like it is the college there is the Smith basketball hall of fame and then there's the college basketball hall of fame mm-hmm. but Smith has both college and um they even do international i mean you know, that's yeah, why yeah. I remember people bitching about Yao Ming getting in. Yeah, like Sabonis they put in and guys like that, yeah. Well, both of those guys are sweet, too. Yeah, um, both candidates, if they weren't international players, based on their NBA career, very much candidates for this. Um, another guy for me, it is my pick, correct, I believe. Yep. Um, again, another another awesome nickname guy. Give me Crime Dog. Give me Fred McGriff. Yeah. Who was – and again, because he's never been – Connected to a steroid. I don't think he's ever been really mentioned in the steroid stuff. Um, the only, I mean, the only steroid he ever did was probably just hanging around Tom Amansky and doing those sweet <laughs> videos, wearing the hat so high on top of his head. And what's he at, like 490 career home runs? Something like that? I 493. Mean, 493, yeah. he's. I mean, he is literally knocking on the door. Um, guy, guy who should... These are, again, obviously very good. I think you should be in the Hall of Fame, but uh, yeah, give me give me good old crime dog. That's tough for Fred McGriff. I mean, you gotta find seven more home runs in there. He did the he did the short stint in Tampa, twenty seven games, eighty one mm-hmm. plate appearances. I think you, yeah, you gotta stick it out and and two say, home hey, runs. In hey, year. I'm I'm playing, and and then the the second I hit that last one. Yank me, cut. You could DFA me right then and there. But that's like A Rod. A Rod has, A Rod should have hung on for seven hundred. Man, he hit thirty in two thousand two at age thirty eight, and so he's sitting there. What he he was fifteen, seven. He needed twenty two more, and it just he just dropped just off, just dropped off. Did one year with the Dodgers, one year with the Rays, just wasn't able to get it done. It's tough. Poor crime dog. Good old crime right. dog. I am going to this. I think this is our first pick off the grid here in terms of the sports. I'm going to go with Peter Bondra, who yeah, he's on my list. growing up was actually my favorite athlete. Uh, Young Banks was a huge Peter Bondra guy. Um, it's not as cut and dry in the way that it is with baseball, where like 500 home runs is the gold standard, but 500 goals in the NHL is oftentimes like, Okay, he got to 500 goals. 
you know, that's, you know, a big feather in the cap and, and reason to put a guy, put a guy in the hall of fame. And he retired with 503 goals and he's not in the hall of fame. So, um, a little bit of uh, you know, that bugs me a good amount. He led the league in goals twice. He was a pure goal scorer, one NHL fastest skater twice. I specifically remember seven year, seven year old me, um, recording the NHL skills competition, one of my favorite events the, every single year. Um, I want to say it was the one in San Jose. He won. Um, I just, your boy just loved Peter Bondra. Bonsai, I don't, I think I said him an honorable mention last, last week. If I didn't, that was a huge error on my part. Bonsai is an awesome nickname for a guy whose last name is Bondra. And then it's still me again. Dude, the snake thing is really jacking me up. I was about to just sit back in my seat and uh, relax there. Jeez. Uh, my last pick. Ooh, my last pick here. I am going to go. I'm going to go with a very me pick here. And this is, you know, I think he's had a little bit of a checkered, uh, some checkered incidents in the past, but I'm going to take Mark Grace because Mark Grace is the best factoid that I love telling people at the bar. Who led the 1990s? How how many times have I heard this fact? Who led the 1990s? What's that? You asked someone on the podcast that. Who was it? It was early on. It was early on. I forget who it was. Who led the nineteen nineties? Jeremy. Oh yeah, it was Jeremy. Who led the nineteen nineties in, in hits? I think I've heard it at every bar in Federal Hill. It's it's Mark Grace. Mark Grace. Uh, when we're talking about the the slow and steady, like the Antoine Jameson types, who are just like real dependable, and they'll be like your your three hitter hitting in front of Sammy Sosa, or you know they'll be the kind of the second fiddle type guy. Mark Grace is that guy. He's just slapping singles. He is the one who started off the rally against Mariano Rivera in game seven of the 2001 world series with a sharp single up the middle. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, he won a world series there with Arizona and uh, led the 1990s in hits, just real steady, real dependable. Um, think he had a 300 career batting average, something close to it. 303. 303 career hitter. So Mark Grace. Shout out to Mark Grace. Yeah. All right. My my last pick is gonna be my Homer pick. My uh covered NBA, covered NHL, or covered I don't we don't need to cover NHL, right? That that's a miscellaneous one. Correct. All right. Yep. So again, it covered M- MLB, NBA, NFL. I'm adding on to the NFL one here. Uh Steve McNair. I was yeah. Again, to be, to be expected. Yeah, not a Hall of Famer, but a very good player. Um, Co MVPs with Peyton. Um, just an absolute warrior. Again, a fantastic nickname. This could have been my all nickname team too. But yeah, I, I I think there was an extended period of time where he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, he's going up against the Rich Gannons. I mean, one MVP. Was, yeah. Again, again, that that Co MVP. I remember being so excited about that. <laughs> And it's it's weird we you don't see that again. I wonder why. I got to go back and look at Peyton's numbers that year, but like why decide to? Well, I guess the votes decided it, but yeah. So, <laughs> Steve McNair. Steve McNair. Um, there's a lot of uh, people potentially to pick here, and I don't know. I think I'm kind of going off a little bit of where I was in in terms of judging this to more of a guy that had an amazing star peak. Um, and, and couldn't keep it up, and 
I'll just keep picking problematic guys. Uh, I'm gonna take Michael Vick, who was a first first uh, had his first eligibility for the Hall of Fame. Was not a finalist. I don't think he'll ever get in. Uh, but there was no one more electric than Michael Vick, and unfortunately, just couldn't put the years together from a production standpoint, and then kind of dug his own grave a little bit um, in, in terms of what he was doing off the field. So, um, yeah. dug his own grave, huh? Tough, tur tough turn of phrase. Man. Um, <laughs> tough turn of phrase. But uh, <laughs> you know, not my night. But uh, the, <laughs> Mike Vick, Mike Vick, Madden cover, best Madden player of all time, arguably. Did he finish uh, with the Steelers or Jets? Um, I believe Probably. Jets. Oh, meh. Uh, I'll look it up. I'll look it up as I talk here. As we try to set, I try to separate myself from the things that I say. Uh, Steelers in 2015. So he was a. This was the first. God, it's so relatively recent. <laughs> yeah, it is, and I I had to look up to see if he was even a um, to see if he was even uh, eligible this year. Four time Pro Bowler. Um, was the number one pick in a fantasy draft as l in, in people's fantasy drafts in uh, like 2011 after his insane year in, in 2010. So um, Mike Vick, he, uh, he ends the draft. So in summation, Banks has Jamal Lewis, Steve Francis, Kenny Lofton, Peter Bondra, and Mark Grace. RDT has Bo Jackson, Sean Alexander, Ben Wallace, Fred McGriff and Steve McNair and problematic Taylor has Tory Holt, Sean Marion, Omar Vizquel, Antoine Jameson, and Michael Vick. And Aaron Hernandez. And Aaron <laughs> Hernandez. I was just an OJ, but he's he's already he's in he's in the Hall of Fame. He's we were gonna pick him, but he's already in. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. Aaron Hernandez. Oh boy. Is a candidate for Sounds pretty tantalizing, doesn't he, Taylor? Is a candidate for this list. Is you want to take back a pick and uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. so you're gonna stick with Omar Vizquel then? Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> stick with Omar Brown. Vizquel. I'm stick with Michael Vick. And if Antonio Brown doesn't make the Hall of Fame, stick him on my team too. I like my um, guys. Okay. Yep. Uh, honorable mentions. Uh, uh, can we get the Wizards and Bullets out of the way first, real quick? Just as yeah, a group. Yeah. We all know. We know Gilbert. Gilbert for sure. Karan mm -hmm. Butler. Rashid. Uh, Rashid Wallace. Rashid Wallace. Uh, Chris Webber. Glenn Rice, I had Chris Weber as well. Did Glenn had, uh, Rice have a period with the with the Bullets? I think. I don't think so. He played for a lot of teams, but I don't know if the Bullets were one. Another NBA guy I had, Pagea. I'm surprised Pagea's not Ooh, in. We don't talk about no, Pagea. Pagea, the peak was too short. Mike Bibby. Yeah, those Kings teams, I used to love those. A lot Kings. of guys in the Kings teams that. that yeah, the dude, that Arco hey. Arena man. Flotty. Yeah. Madhouse. Uh, Jumping off of that, um, I think almost all of my honorable mention guys that didn't get picked were uh, Wizards or Bullets, except for Jermaine O'Neal is the other one I had. Mm, Jermaine O'Neal is 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 a very good candidate for this list. Uh, Got Ron, Art Ron Artest, who I don't think is eligible yet, is also – going to be a candidate for this list. I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think no, so either. I don't think so. I did um, get I got uh Jermaine O'Neal's autograph the year of that fight like after he'd come back from a suspension. And I remember being terrified to like ask him <laughs> for his autograph. Like like going up courtside being like can you sign this? And he was like the nice guy. Jermaine Lewis or Jermaine Lewis. Jermaine O'Neal made a ton of money in the NBA. I mean, he got a gigantic mm. contract. Um and and it was at one point a a big time asset. He got, he like, you know, like Ian Mahimi money. He made six money. consecutive all-star teams. 
<laughs> that's such a, I mean, that's such a joke. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was six, a joke. <laughs> six All-Star games. I want to, I want to look at his total. He made $168 million. In the <sighs> yeah, I, mean, I believe it. He's, he's probably played up until what? Three or four years ago too. No, he's been out of the league for six years. <laughs> really? Yep. Damn. I thought he had been more recent than that. He was one of those guys that was like on the team and you he had was no like idea. A buyout guy. He mm-hmm. was a buyout guy for one of those first good Steph Curry Warriors teams. Yes. People are like, mm-hmm. oh, they signed Jermaine O'Neal. That'll make a difference. And then his career was over. Yeah, he was just <laughs> making the veteran minimum. Like, they basically just eating up a roster spot. Yeah. Um, guy that's no longer in the NBA in that similar era, Amari Stoudemire yep. has the potential to be on this list. I don't think he's eligible for the Hall of Fame yet. But um, part of the tribe, one of my brothers. Yes. True. <laughs> yes. True. Great on entourage. Um, very good on entourage. Uh, Damon Stoudemire also came to my mind from those, the, like those Portland teams that had like him and Rasheed Wallace that were in the same era as the as the Kings and the Lakers and the and the Jazz. The Jailblazers. Jason Terry. Jason Terry is a is a very good one. He's a very good one. Um, what do you got? For, what do you guys got for baseball? I'd like Scott Rowland, Jim Edmonds. Jim Edmonds was my, very close to being picked. Uh, Mark Burley, Kevin Brown, Tim Hudson. Uh, Wouldn't have gotten in, I don't think, anyway, but Miguel Tejada. He was sweet. And you know who's unfortunate for us, who is on this very good candidate for this list, is Adam Jones. Yeah. yeah. Still playing, but he is a Hall of Very Good guy. I mean, Adam Jones is a classic Hall of Very Good guy. Give me a solid retweet this week. Yeah. He's a guy that means means more to a city, and they inflate him. More and I love uh, Adam Jones. Freaking love Adam Jones. Carlos mm-hmm. Delgado. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. guy was good. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, that guy was, was never really forget, good. I'll never forget being at the beach when I saw in baseball tonight that he got 100 RBIs before the All Star break, and I thought that it was like I was like this is legitimately the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like uh, I thought it was up there with like the 60 home run club. Yeah, I was in the dugout club uh, every year, and you would get 10 free tickets to to a game. And like six of them were always Blue Jays games. And I would do the trick where you'd, you'd go behind the, the visitor's dugout and he would get, you know, the ground out to, to finish the inning and he'd catch the ball and then jog the dugout and he'd toss it to some kid. I probably have a dozen baseballs from Carlos Delgado from between ages eight and 12 before I got too old for him to be throwing balls my way. <laughs> you know who uh, else I got? Um, I got Jorge Posada. Yeah. And I, Billy Wagner, who will get in, I think, eventually. Um, I don't think he should get in. Really? I just. Ooh, uh, you want to have some baseball Hall of Fame debates? Uh, <laughs> he just doesn't. He, so what? Pretty damn good. Yeah. He was good. Of course good. he was good. I think he's all very good. I don't think he's Hall of Famer. 2-3-1 ERA, 0.99. Yeah, all, relievers' ERAs are always fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just by nature. One of the ridiculous baseball reference pages I looked at my quick research for doing this, Juan Gonzalez made three all-star teams and won two MVPs. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know he made that few all-star teams. That guy was a savage. Two MVPs. Hit 434 home runs. He will not make the Hall of Fame. And I think he won the home run derby. It can't he's be. got a Everybody... 46 homer season, a 47 homer season, a 50, a 45 homer season. Stupid he's, numbers, RBIs. He's got, 40, he's got a 45 homer, 50 double, 157 RBI season. The ballpark at Arlington was a bad box. <laughs> 28 years old in Texas. That is a hell of a year. It was. Juan, and, Juan, and a great, Juan Gon is a great nickname. 
people talk people talk about the Ken Griffey Jr. home run derby off the the warehouse. Juan Gonzalez hit one off the the tiering of the upper yeah. deck in left field, where like they show the uh, the pitch speed and all that up there. Yeah, like where they have the like retired numbers. Yeah, like up in that corner, all the way up there. He hit it off the facing of the the front of the upper deck, and not down the line at all. Like it was in the gap, absolute bomb. Uh, we talked about him during the pod. Chauncey Billups was very high on this list yeah. for me. Um, um, I've got. I didn't a, have a lot of hockey. I did have Sergey Gonchar down. I had Jeremy Roenick. Uh, and Keith Kachuk. I also had him down. I had, I had him as uh, well. I had Oli the goalie. Mm. Could have taken him two straight drafts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Eddie George. I he's didn't want to set myself up for the jokes. Nope. nope. He's not. I thought he was in the Hall of Fame. I had Eddie George, uh, Tiki Barber, and Reggie Wayne as well. I bet he is one drop pass away from being in the Hall of Fame. See, this is what I didn't want to, you know. It's just too easy. It's too easy. I almost took it to you, Eric, but I'd like it too much. I didn't. didn't... A lot of Titans talk this podcast. There you go. Yeah. Um, Tiki Barber, I thought, is a very good candidate for this. Reggie Wayne has to get in. And, and Reggie Wayne has to get into the Hall of Fame. Has to. I, I, I almost didn't want to take him in this draft because I just he's a Hall of Famer. Honestly, so is Tory Holt. It, it's just I, I had the uh I had the Hall of Fame finalists up for this year. Um let me see if I can find that. The the players who made the Hall of Fame this year were very good. Was it's it was an a... interesting list. The finalists is a is a pretty interesting list. So uh Jared Allen, Rondé Barber. Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Alan Fanica, who got in, correct? He got in. Torrey Holt, Calvin Johnson, got in. John Lynch, got in. Peyton Manning, got in. Clay Matthews Sr., not the younger Clay Matthews, old Clay Matthews. Sam Mills, Richard Seymour. Richard Seymour, very much a Hall of Very Good guy. Zach Thomas, also very much a Hall of Very Good guy. Reggie Wayne and uh, Charles Woodson, who got in. So, yeah. pretty stacked. Pretty stacked. I, um... I had a couple of golf guys on. I think uh, some of the general sports public would know one of them. The other one, not so much. Podrick Harrington is yep. not in. He had his first chance, I think, last year to get in. He has three majors, but the knock on him is that two of them were back-to-back majors uh, right after Tiger Woods broke his leg and tore his ACL at Torrey Pines. Um, so he won three majors in 13 months. He had a very high peak. The rest of his career is like, I mean, you win three majors, you you know, you've, you're a good enough golfer where you're going to win some events and stuff, but he doesn't really have a full resume. Like a lot of golfers in the, in, in the golf hall of fame, you would have thought there Taylor. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's a tough knock for the guy because it's not, nobody was winning any during that period. Yeah, so like, it's not his fault. Tiger broke his leg and he deserved, like, as you said, it's not like he won one. He, you know, he, he picked one off. He won three in 13 months, as you said. So he was, at that point, the best player in the world for a 13-month stand. Right, and I think it's almost a credit to him because you can say, okay, during this period of time when Tiger was winning, like, half of all the majors, like, there's only a handful to go around. And for if a player picks up three of them, that, that it would seem to suggest that he could have won many more if he had played in a different era. And you can make that argument for... I mean, it's a whole other discussion for Phil Mickelson. I mean, he could have a dozen majors if it wasn't for Tiger Woods. Yeah, the the one knock, and I don't even know if it's a knock, 
now that I'm looking at his wins, I, I'm just, I don't know if you've looked. It's at very games. European Tour heavy. Well, that well that he's got ten he's got ten wins on the European Tour, but he went into the he went into all of his he did not have the fifty four hole lead in any of the majors that he won. He was down he was had a sh- six shot deficit in twenty in two thousand seven won that won the Open two shots in in two thousand eight won the Open three shots in the two thousand eight PGA Championship. The runners up behind him Sergio. Then Ian Poulter, then Sergio, and Ben Curtis. Ben Curtis also won a Ben major. Curtis. Um, <clears throat> nah, he's not making the Hall of Fame. So there's a little variance there in terms of, like, Sergio Garcia up six shots should have won the Open Championship in 2007, but he was Sergio. So he blew it. Sure. Um, and lost in a playoff. But I, th- but I think that's a credit to Padraig Harrington. Yeah, you can also like, say, you, you know, Padraig shot. Go out and win it. Yeah, he went out and won it. So – uh, the other one is Tom Weisskopf. I don't think, I don't think most people know who Tom Weisskopf is, but he played in. He was a great player in the '70s. He's got one major. Um, there are players with a similar resume. Fred Couples has one major, um, and about 15 wins on tour. Tom Weisskopf had 16 wins. He won the 1973 Open Championship. Finished runner-up in the Masters four times, two of them to, so to Jack Nicholas. Hmm. The 1975 Masters, when Masters Week comes up and you're just like, you've got the YouTube page with all the great Masters. You can just watch the broadcast. The 1975 Masters is unbelievable. It's it's Nicholas, Johnny Miller, and Tom Weisskopf just grinding it out all the way down the stretch. Um, and then he also has some history – designing golf courses he's yes was the the co-designer of tpc scottsdale which uh we may have talked about last week um i, I don't remember if that was on the podcast or that's just my blog brain um from covering it this we past week about it but um tpc scottsdale is like one of the he has a low-key good resume as a designer yeah he's also right now battling pancreatic cancer which they talked about on the broadcast a couple weeks ago the cbs broadcast so um Hopefully he, he does well. But, yeah, he has sort of a full breadth of contributions to the game, which you would think in golf is something. You, they you know, they you value know, that very highly. They value, you know, you know we, we talk about it a lot, thanks. You know, it, what is good for the game? What you, How much are you con- contributing to the game? Sure. Golf, you know, for him to go design golf course. Those are two good golf ones. Podrick Harrington is a really – is a very, very interesting – I was trying to find He'll ones get like him. that. I was trying to find ones like that for tennis, and there just aren't that many – there aren't that many fun ones to discuss. Boxing has a lot of Hall of Fame controversy. I don't think it's worth going into that. There really, other than that, aren't that many interesting pro Hall of Fames. The UFC's is kind of a sham. Um, I jokingly brought up the WWE Hall of Fame, which is pretty much a sham. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Foo Fighters. Not oh, no, you want to talk oh. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> interesting. I it's scrolled interesting. through that really quick, and very, I was like, oh, okay. what, is, what are the eligibility the requirements? You have to be, you know, Wu-Tang and Oasis aren't in it either. Is it like so. 25 years from your first musical Oasis contribution or something? Not sure. But. Um, Sophia Kennan's on the ropes here, by the way. <laughs> I got I got As a sidebar. As a sidebar. Um, we were cheering her on. Talking right tennis. Yeah. Talk, speaking of, yeah, we're talking tennis. We will we, we, – there could be a candidate for, for Maryland Man of the Week and a local tennis player. Maybe not okay. Week, but may, maybe to talk about. It. And that's what we'll get to. Maryland Man of the Week or Person of the Week. Um, R.E.T. Um, this person, I have no idea what their name is. It is my <laughs> Nick Kaner Medley man <laughs> person group of the week is Tom Brady's social media people. Yeah. Because. Yeah. And not. So here's why. 
the people think that Tom Brady sent out those tweets today about him, whatever the fake avocado tequila stuff. Oh, you're still my go off king. I had to. Oh, man. I was going to. Okay. Well, oh, we're in a complete agreement here. Let's tee off together. Let's fucking like, get off on this. And I didn't want to like tweet it out and everyone would be like, dude, just let us have fun. Like, I know. I let him have fun with it today. But it's yeah, the and- phoniest. Dude, that's not the actual Lombardi. They give him a toy Lombardi to fool around with on the boats. But not even that, just like the tweet that had him retweeting ESPN's tweet of him like stumbling out or whatever and being like, oh, it's just and the letters were big and small and like a little avocado tequila or whatever. Like people thought that that was legitimately Tom Brady tweeting and it's not like Tom Brady has his nose in his phone during that whole celebration, especially when he's loaded like that. He has his his team doing it. Yeah, Yeah, but no, he's got his, he's got his kids around. He's, I mean, he's got to get some, uh, some face sucking off and, and the people being, but (laughs) (laughs) that face, but the people being like, Oh, look how, look how funny Tom is. Did you see this tweet? And it's like, yeah, it's it's funny, but it's not him. Like I and again, I like Tom Brady. I think he's great. I think he's the best player in NFL history. Yeah, but like, yeah, let's do that debate, huh? <laughs> it's not a debate. Much of a debate. Not a debate. But um, yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, Tom Brady it's not, it's was, not, was awesome today. Like he was having yeah. a great time. It was likable stuff for sure. And I'm not gonna. But I, I am saying that like the the Super Bowl toss, like the Lombardi toss, like phony. It was phony, and it was I like like. I see through it is what I'm saying. There's a lot of puppets out there that just think that he's throwing the actual Lombardi trophy from boat to boat. The guy who works his ass off and is obsessed with these trophies is tossing them a, like a, like it's nonsense. It's not the actual trophy. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. So his social media people, the video they put up with him standing next to Ryan Griffin and Blaine Gabbert was tremendous. Cause the that, that was, him holding the super the, the Lombardi with the I'll say more about Blaine Gabbert with the shrug thing. I legit thought that, oh, that I was like, no. oh, those are his his nephews. Those are his. I don't know that one. This is his backup. <laughs> Former Titans, uh, great Blaine Gabbert. Sure. Yes. Yes. Thanks. My who's back of the week? N- no, we don't well, do that. We do the Nick Cannon medley person of the week. It's Jordan Spieth, baby. Yeah. I do. Oh yeah, it's Jordo. He's back. Uh, just burying putts from downtown. And Thursday, I mean, he didn't win the tournament. We know he went in the last round with a co-lead. Didn't finish the job because another great golfer, Brooks Kapka, came back and won it. Credit to him. He's great, too. But, uh, yeah, um, Friday and Saturday, Jordan Spieth was just phenomenal. He, he found it, tee to green. He can't, I mean, like, he shot a 67 on Thursday. He only had two fairways. It was a complete mirage of a round. But for whatever reason, him posting that number, something got into him where Friday and Saturday, he was hitting enough fairways and hitting enough greens. And then he was starting to bury 30-foot putts where it was was like 2017 at Royal Birkdale all over again. Go get that. Like the whole scene, it was the right place for it to happen with, uh, albeit a smaller crowd, but a crowd nonetheless. Uh, got the people going, got a lot of buzz going. People were, I mean, people were glued to the TV Saturday and Sunday watching this golf tournament because Jordan Spieth had come from such like a downtrodden position from, you know, years, years. He's been trying to find his game and I'm excited to watch him at Pebble beach this week. Of course, that he plays well at um, now that he's got some, some, hopefully some newfound confidence based off of a, a top five finish there at, at um, the waste management. 
That's a very good one. I mean, Jordan Spieth is. And he is the, the face of Under Armour Golf, and that's kind of a local brand. So in some ways, I feel like this area has a little bit extra f- affinity for Jordan Spieth. Yeah, and you just want to root for the guy. He's just he's just all out there. You see every emotion on his on his sleeve. Um, it would that was really really cool to see. If he could if he could get it back, what would that be, Banks? It would be good for the game. It'd be very very good for the game if he if he could do this consistently. He just cannot. I mean, he's just got to figure out how to get off the tee. Just cannot drive it around the park. Correct. And I hit track. The other thing is like he is so fun to watch. Yes. Like even when he's not necessarily hitting fairways his like him just houdini escapes from people's backyards in arizona like it's crazy the best part about yeah not to you know make this into a giant golf conversation but he's not a bomber and so to watch watch him succeed in an era of bombers is very very fun very Very fun very very fun um my uh i will stick in the golf world my uh because i watched a ton of the waste management i think i just missed it from being there last year just missed um, and there just wasn't much. It's very on. cool to like know exactly where everything is on yes, is. a golf it's course a property, and then experience. rewatch like watch another tournament there. I my favorite was watching um, fifteen and knowing that that sort of like area um, over on the right neck against the stands of sixteen is where everybody that was hungover was just sitting in the shade. Just, <laughs> we'll never ever forget all those people over there just just suffering. Uh, I'm going with Brooks Kepka who I think golf is better when that guy's in contention. Um, he The, the chip-in um, on 17 was was disgusting. Uh, he, he's just, he just sort of sat back and, and won it. He beat my guy Xander, who just continues to have trouble finishing out golf tournaments. Conversation for another time. Uh, but I'm giving it to Brooks. Kind of carefree attitude. Um, you know, he gives off the I don't care vibes, but he, you know, I love guys where it's like, oh, they only show up when the when the when the when the crowd is into it. Like Brooks finally showed up because there were people at the tournament. There's no sure. sport more narrative driven than golf. Yes, it's, it's so like, true. oh, this this kid, uh, this player recently had a kid. Oh, newborn, you know, newfound father. You know, how's that going to change his golf game? And they how does it make you hit a little white golf ball any better? Like James, um, James Hahn gets into the lead and immediately Azinger goes. Hasn't been in this spot much. How's he going to deal with the pressure? The lead, the leaderboard pressure is just a little bit different. It's just, yeah, it's the most narrative-driven sport. It's also there. so a, funny. Like, just he he did the the um, Gangnam Style or whatever like seven years ago, and it's their favorite thing ever to bring up about James Hahn. Like, the guy has accomplished, you know, he's won I think twice on tour, but really what he's known for is doing that on the 16th green at the waste management. And for them to get the opportunity to drive that narrative home again, like, oh, this guy's so fun. He does a Gangnam style seven years ago. Like, they just played that clip a billion times. Golf broadcasts are hilarious to me for that type of um, My honorable mentions, uh, Francis Tiafa, who kept me up till 2.30 in the morning in a losing effort. But, uh, you know, he may break through at some point. College Park native, Maryland native, great story. We've claimed him as a Terrapin, even though he didn't go to college anywhere. Um, really good dude. So shout out to Francis Tiafo. And then my guy, my guy, Super Bowl champion, Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Blaine is a real American. One of the best videos on YouTube. Put in Henny, suck on my D. <laughs> Blaine is a champion. My guy, Blaine, is a champion. So there it is. There it is Any indeed. Good for, for Blaine. I'm going with Super Bowl champion Ryan Jensen. 
I'll tell you that much. Great so, um, video of his kid jump, leaping onto him in the yeah. in the slow mo. That was very cool. Definitely, no doubt. Uh, oh. Maryland man of the week also could go to my bookie who just cleaned up on my ass uh, <laughs> between the between the waste management and the Super Bowl. Um, no thanks to the Chiefs and their offensive line, but you know we don't we don't need to talk about that too much. RDT, anything? I got nothing. Now, again, Dang. it's slow week. It's I a mean, slow yeah, week. It, it is. It, I mean, obviously, it was Super Bowl week, so in the overall breadth of sports. But I'll throw another uh, one out there. Okay. I'll throw out our, our Art Modell. Okay. Yeah. This year, this week was the anniversary of the Baltimore Ravens uh, moving to Baltimore. So, um, 20, 25 years. Shout yeah. out Art Modell. Shout out to Art. He's given, us a, he's given us a team to root for, which has been nice. This podcast – would not exist without our Modell. I think that's pretty easy to say. Um, but a uh, very good anniversary there for, for the Ravens. We went through all the Super Bowl anniversaries over the last couple weeks too, which is fun to watch all the highlights back uh, in 2000 and then um, back in 2013. So that, that was that was good stuff. Um, another good – does anybody have anything to go off about? You already kind of did your, your Brady social media rant. Brady social media, I have to say, to just to complete the thought on that, the team, their team does a very good job. I mean, his social media mm-hmm. is very on point, and I'm sure it's somebody doing it, but they respond to everybody on Instagram. They, he has figured that out. He's not, he is more likable than he's ever been right now, and in part, it's partly because of that. 100%. And, and I, it's kind of, it just came to me. It's almost like it, it's, I kind of want to compare it to like we were talking about before is that Masters, like Twitter, um, their, their, their Twitter account. They're being aura. like you, like it's... you know what you're getting like it's tom brady and like you can imagine how he's speaking and 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 all that and i don't know it's just there's like an aura around it and i don't i mean people are amazed by it and and yeah i i think they did a they've done a great job and i get he, he's more likable today 20 years into his career than he's ever been before and maybe that's just getting rid of the patriots logo and and being in south definitely florida part of it. true definitely part of it uh, so sh- <laughs> finishing the show, shouting out to Tom Brady's social media people. <laughs> what, what that's that that's how you finish off a slow week on the Exit Fifty Two podcast. Um, hopefully, when we get some Baltimore more Baltimore sports to talk about, make sure to send us in uh, any ideas you have. If you want us to do a draft, we've got some ones already percolating. But if you want to shoot us some ideas, shoot us some ideas. Uh, we'll be sure to take a look at them uh, as we we continue to go through the months here, heading into uh, a Baltimore Orioles season. And really a baseball season that I'm, I'm not sure what that, what it's going to look like as we as we move through. So uh, we'll get to that stuff as we come. Make sure to follow all the guys on social media. You can follow Eric at E-D-I-T-T-I 22. You can follow Banks at Barstool Banks. And you can follow me at Taylor Smith 10. You can follow the podcast at X52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks once again to Jimmy Seafood for being our presenting sponsor. And we will see you next time on the X52 Podcast.
I've got.